What's up, guys? We're back with another episode with my very dear friend, the iconic and amazing Marta. She is the brains and beauty by behind a lot of things you love on the internet. Co-founder of G Beauty Brand, founder of Air Milkshake, the iconic and elite gifting suite, one of the most coveted invites in New York and LA. Um, she was the uh, Genius behind Hot Girls Eating Pizza, the viral, like viral Tumblr. I would say like Tumblr, right? Tumblr it was just era, Instagram, but yeah, I'm Tumblr era of um, of Hot Girls Eating Pizza. That's actually how we met, and she's recently launched Angel Therapy, a luxury cannabis brand. How does she do it? <laughs> no idea. <laughs> if you if you if you see her, let me know. <laughs> I love it. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be back of on course. Hinge number two. Exactly. OG live and now potty. Oh my God. I love it. How is two bunch palms? It's you just went one of over my, the weekend. I just went over the weekend. It's one of my favorite hotels ever. I mean, I have a long list of like favorite hotels ever, but it's probably in my top three. Um, You're a hotel connoisseur. Self-proclaimed, um, not sponsored. No. no. Um, <laughs> People ask you all the time. I'm People sure. ask me all the time on like a Sunday when I'm having coffee, trying not to be bothered. Hey, Marta, mm-hmm. can you give me my 30, your 30 favorite hotels? Can I you be an now. itinerary of Vegas? Can you give me? <laughs> yeah. But I happily do it because I don't know. Life is meant to be lived. Exactly. Hey, do you have any boundaries for like online activity? I try, I'm trying to be better at not being on my phone as much. And I actually am doing a really good job. Um, Julie and I went to Miraval. She may have mm-hmm. talked about this when she was on. She did. That's why I asked. <laughs> I, I noticed a big 2023 disconnect. This oh, year. yeah. We're really trying to disconnect. Um, but we went to Miraval and we put our phones in miniature sleeping bags for four <laughs> nights or three nights. And I haven't looked back. It's been so great. So. Um, Whenever I can, I try to like be off my phone. I mean, I don't scroll anymore. I play Candy Crush for like 30 minutes you and then do? I go to bed. I'm obsessed. I I'm on like level 3000. Who the people are that play that game? Lauren plays too. Her and I have talked about it. Really? It <laughs> yeah. looks addictive. Like I remember when I would be on the train in New York, you always see people playing Candy Crush. Lincoln, like my boyfriend guilts me because he thinks it's, you know, once in a while, I'll spend a couple bucks on it. It's not mm-hmm. It's not the worst thing oh. in the world, right? It's not like, what, I'd rather have a beer or play Candy Crush. I'm going to choose Candy Crush. But it's so relaxing. Like, What was the just... one in the pandemic that we were doing with the bakery? Do oh, um, <laughs> wait, the bakery. It's um... You'd like go and like you'd bake your cookies. And then like in the morning, you'd wake up and your cookies would be done. What is I that game? It's I the only know, game I've I ever played. Play. I want to play that. That sounds amazing. That's the only one I've ever done. It was like, I think it was like my bakery or something. Yeah. Okay. I remember now. <laughs> remember Farmville when you would Farmville. farm things in college oh. on well, Facebook? Sims is still like a big thing. I feel like with people. Yeah, definitely. I you get it. Them. Same. I mean, Creative I expression. yeah, I want to ex- like escape to a fantasy world where I'm completely and totally unreachable. Same. <laughs> <laughs> Always. <laughs> so 
Oh, actually, you know what I really want to ask you? This is like a very polarizing Twitter take that's going on right now. Papa John's or Domino's? Oh, I'm a Pizza Hut girl. Really? Yeah. Do you know I've never had Pizza Hut here? Oh my God, we should change that. It's like a once a year treat because it's definitely like very not good for you, but Mm -hmm. it's so nostalgic to me. Like the pan crust pizza, I think you'd really appreciate it. Really? Do you yeah. go? Do you like go in and do the full? Can you even go in anymore? I don't think. so. I mean, I feel like it's not a good experience anymore. But it used to be like the shit. There used to be salad bars, and it was like a, a restaurant experience. It used to be fun to go to Pizza Hut. Um, it's like a birthday. Very thing, American right? culture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, but if I had to choose, I feel like I would choose Domino's over Papa John's. Really? Where am I living my r- life wrong? Because I I was. I'm leaning towards Papa John's, but I'm wondering if that's just because I haven't had enough Domino's. <laughs> yeah. They're probably the same at the end of the day. Best slice in New York after extensive hot girls eat, eating pizza. Ooh, I mean, I think this would probably be wrong now just because I don't live in New York or eat pizza anymore. And I feel like there's a lot of amazing openings since. Oh, like, you I went to L.A.? The- <laughs> I went to LA and the pizza here is hard to come by, but um, mm-hmm. I really like Etta in Culver City. You, you, oh, you've been to Etta, right? Oh my right? God, yeah. It's more artisanal pizzas here. Like I'm like a pizzana girly. The Cacio e Pepe pizza is so good. I can never say that. That one's really great. But slices here, like my boyfriend loves, um, he's a Prince Street guy. Like he'll go like mm-hmm. twice a week and get Prince Street. I think it's undefeated. New York. I agree. But I don't know. I, I also feel like, feel like my Prince Street experience is like eating it there on yeah. that block. Like I feel like you 100%. have to eat it there. But yeah. do you um, get this like backlash now? Because I feel like I do a little bit now that I'm here. And I just started clean eating. By the way, by the way it's been like two weeks. Like I'm normally yeah. like my body is like a junkyard. But um, I'm trying to balance it out a little bit because – I'm like conscious with the baby that like whatever I'm eating, she's eating. Yeah. And people are like, you went so LA, you gave up coffee. I'm like, guys, like I eat five donuts in a row. Like I think moderation is key. But um, yeah. have you had that? Now you're like LA diet girl, not diet girly, like LA wellness, clean eating girly. Yes. And I get backlash from both. I mm-hmm. I mean, when I mean that, I mean, like two people over the course of the past two years have been like, <laughs> you are fear mongering when you post the food babe or infographics from these, you know, educational nutritionists that, you know, are actual nutritionists. So I kind of don't share anything anymore about how I feel about food, because I feel like it's triggering to a lot of people. And I don't want to be under like scrutiny for the for how I eat. Like once in a while, I'll still post chicken tenders. Although I will say, I don't know if I've told you this, I've kind of like given up chicken tenders. That's so, so crazy. To me it's we crazy. Were, like, we were the OG chicken tender girls. OG. Like, we I, were... were, I mean, you turned me on to the cluck shop. Is that the one? Oh, cl- ch- um, cluck and chicken. Which cluck and chicken. <laughs> which which I really, really loved, but no one else was getting on my level. Like, I feel like you and Maud both ordered Cluck and Chicken and didn't have very good experiences. And then I kind of, you know, when you suggest a restaurant and you talk it up yeah. and you like really big it up and then it doesn't live up to the expectations, you're like, oh, it's like a humbling experience. 
Agree. I will say that that retired me. It was great. The fries mm-hmm. definitely do not deliver well. But um, now if I have a craving, I really like Erewhon chicken tenders, which definitely wow. makes me sound really LA, but they're really fucking good. They're like gluten free and have a little turmeric in them. And you should try them They're I will try them. I will yeah. add them to my list. But honestly, I think after Miraval, when Julie did like a chicken keeping class, <laughs> we she, saw how cute, yeah, she was obsessed with little chickens. Um, no. they're actually, yeah, it was really, really cute. I think that experience and then going to Hawaii and like seeing chickens everywhere. I just mm-hmm. can't eat them anymore. I just can't. Oh, do my it. goodness. Yeah. I, I, see, it doesn't it doesn't resonate the same for me. Like I'll see them and I'll be like, that's so cute. And then I'll be like, I want a tender or I want a nugget. But I yeah. mean, John doesn't eat meat and I feel as though that's made me mellow out a little bit because, you know, food is such a shared experience for me. I don't really like to I mean culturally, like as an Indian person, I don't like order one dish and then eat that. I need to have some of your meal and then you know, there needs to be a share plate. So I now skew towards like pescatarian and I actually enjoy it. Like I don't feel like I'm missing out, but I love a juicy like burger or steak or tender. You're so fun to eat with for that reason. Um, But I feel you with the fish. I think I'm really into like battered fish right now. Not all the time, Ooh. but like oh, in that's place, very Austra- in Australian of, fish and chips. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. In lieu of chicken tenders, I will go for the fish and chips. But um, yeah, food is hard because everyone is so everyone has their thing, and mm-hmm. I don't know. So many of my friends, including myself, have like triggers around food, so it's like interesting to navigate sometimes. What are some triggers that you feel comfortable sharing? Um. I'm trying not to eat at night, like after like nine or 10, but like Lincoln will order food. And even like last night he ordered a pasta at 1030. And I was like, are you sure you want that? And he was like, don't shame me. I was like, oh, that's my internalized monologue, Mm -hmm. you know, speaking out about, you know, I don't want to eat late, but if he does like that's him and that's cool. Like his body can do that. So stuff like that, like I'm really hard on myself. So I try not to ever project that, but I'm also trying to stop that internal dialogue as well. And I'm so crazy about my workouts. Like I'm trying not to fall into that path where like I'll go every day, like seven days a week. And then if I miss a day, I'm really, really hard on myself. And that is not healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, But the first step is admitting it. And I do talk about that. And my friends are like, you really should not be going seven days a week. Well, yeah, your body but, doesn't really have the time. To yeah, it. you need to listen to the Kirsty Godzoy episode of Unhinged. I do actually. I should definitely mm-hmm. listen to that mm-hmm. after this. But that's what I I struggle with, like kind of being all or nothing with like my goals for myself and stuff like that. Virgo Moon, you know. Would you say that's like a catalyst for successfully launching so many brands because you do? Like, I feel like you launched so many businesses, relatively new businesses at the same time. Really? Thank you. Um, I kind of think that things take a long time to launch well. Mm -hmm. And we were working on due. Well, before due, Charlotte and I had nice paper. We started that in maybe 2016. Oh my goodness. I I think we started it. I was still at Depop when we started it. So maybe 2016. And then 
it evolved into do it started to evolve into do in like 2018 because of you know everything we didn't get to launch until September 2020 so and then while I was doing that um air milkshake is kind of an evolution of hot girls eating pizza so in my head I've been like growing air milkshake for nine years because mm-hmm. everyone that I gift and everyone I've met they've kind of it's just kind of evolved into air milkshake so I think that has kind of taken a long time to grow and to blossom into what it is and angel therapy too Lincoln and I have been talking about a cannabis brand like I met him through cannabis through nice paper because he also works in cannabis and has for his whole career so I kind of think that I plant seeds and they kind of also when they sow and for me they've all kind of sowed in the past two years which means it's (laughs) I have to be really disciplined yeah (laughs) That yeah. blossomed. And yeah, what blossomed. actually shifted, because Nice Paper was an editorial platform, right? Editor- editorial yeah. branding agency for cannabis. Yeah, brands. we kind of like tested a bunch of things, like threw a lot at the wall. We would do content for hemp and for cannabis brands. We were primarily trying to do education for all of our friends in New York who had no idea how cannabinoids worked or like what it was or how do I smoke? How do I roll a joint? So I think we were pretty early on in like making beautiful, well-researched content. Um, I would just like go to Madonna Inn and shoot 20 brands. and I would be on those trips. (laughs) Yes, yes, exactly. We, oh my God, we need to go back to Madonna Inn. Like, yeah, I think about Mm -hmm. it often. Um, But yeah, and then we saw like a space for cannabinoids and skincare that were really under under uh, research. So Charlotte got connected to Joyce and then Do was born. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you're, and you like kind of lean towards the creative marketing. Well, you're the creative director as well. I'm the creative director, even though I hate that title. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Charlotte and I both touch marketing. She does a lot of the stuff with like our content and our email marketing and our ads and everything she she's amazing and I touch more so like our partnerships our influencer marketing stuff like that how did you guys go from like having this idea in the space Mm -hmm. of there being like this white space to like actually executing into a brand oh my god oh fuck it was because I think for so many of us like we have this idea right and then it's like the next like what's the next part I love to always ask I would say I think one of my strengths is definitely people and I think that also goes for my other two co-founders too like we all met each other through other people so I think the power of connection and you know asking for help and talking about ideas kind of helps things come to life like we couldn't have done it without our friends who in who, like you, invested in our first round to get us up and going. And I mean, everyone we gift, everyone who helps us and just loves do, I think we really didn't know how to start a brand, but we were determined to do it and we did it. (laughs) And I'm trying to think back. I feel like 2018 through 2020 was really hard because so much was up in the air. Um, And I feel like me personally, it didn't really feel concrete and like a secure thing until a year ago when I was like oh people are like repurchasing our products and people really love this brand we're onto something great um and every day we just know that we're building 
something like super, super special. And I think that's what keeps us going. But it's definitely, in my opinion, the people and being kind and just we help everyone and everyone helps us. So I'm really grateful because we could have like gone another way and like raised a ton of money and overhired and over uh, formulated a ton of products. And I don't think do would be what it was if we took that path that a lot of companies take, a lot of brands take, not even across like uh, beauty, but across all categories in DTC. What I think that a lot of people actually don't know inside a scoop unhinged here first is that as well, like the way you guys managed to pivot during COVID because the IMAS, which actually like propelled you guys into becoming this like massive waiting list, cult item, blowing up on social media, weren't even the original like product offering, right? It was sort of like a supplementary, we're waiting until like the warehouses can sort of like get going again. Yeah, of course. We were going to launch with completely different products. Um, But for a lot of reasons, like our co-packers being closed for COVID or our packaging not coming in, we just had to launch with the eye masks. And I think what is really cool is that we launched a skincare tool as a beauty brand and our, our tool could be used with any eye product from any other brand. So I think we started off like talking about other brands to use our eye mask with, and we've always been allies to other beauty brands, which I think is important and crucial to building a successful brand too, is to just want everyone to win. So I feel really, really fortunate that we launched with our eye masks because I think it was a special thing that definitely worked in 2020, like the height of the pandemic, everyone's at home, everyone's using skincare, everyone's using sheet masks. And I think it answered a problem, which is another thing you have to do when you're starting a business, you have to have a product that answers a problem and is not just being a redundant, you know, a redundant thing. I also really like the accessibility of the product because I think it's tricky, especially when you're in this space. I mean, you know, I don't like to use the term influencer for even for both of us. It's like just straight off the bat, like recommending products. I, I always have this sense of guilt when I share like a beauty routine or people are like, what products do you like? And I'm like, it's this Augustina beta, like $300, you know, it's like so elitist and unaccessible and like of course I love AB but like it is really nice to actually be able to recommend a product that's like hey this is $30 and it's an amazing moisturizer and I feel like it delivers the same results and I use instant angel it's like it was one of the things that saved my skin during crazy progesterone um, hormonal breakouts in first and second trimester and it's one of those products that people rave about and rightly so so hats off to you thank you that is all joy she is like queen goddess superior formulator best in the world in my eyes she's amazing um yeah we're so lucky to have her instant angel is a superstar people are obsessed with it Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't think any of us are shocked but it is crazy how much people love it and it's so cool I want to talk about the gifting suites because yeah, there is a lot of tea. <laughs> There's tea. What's the tea? The tea. What is um like? What is the process around? So you onboard for those of you who don't know. 
Air Milkshake gifting suites are like the Oscars of influencer gifting. And to get an invite to one of these events, it's such a coveted invite because you get to go and experience all these like mini little brand experiences of like the best brands that are on the market. And you take away this like massive gift bag full of products that sustain you for months and months and months. They're worth thousands and thousands worth of dollars. Um, I know it's a very competitive list to be on. How do you manage that? Oh my gosh. So in terms of the invites, I like to switch it up just in general with Air Milkshake. I'm always looking for new people to bring into the community and you know, people that just really love to talk about product and share what they genuinely like. So what I look for is authenticity. And um, a lot of the creators that I work with aren't the kinds that do ads every day. They generally just talk about product that they like. And honestly, I would say half the list aren't even typically influencers. I feel like they're tastemakers. So they really only talk about things if they like them and they're using them because they post their life. Maybe they're musicians, maybe they're stylists, maybe they're designers even. Like I really keep it open to whoever I've been hanging out with, to their friends. Um, I'm always just trying to grow the Air Milkshake community. And I think the brands get an, a different kind of point of view than when they would do a typical influencer gifting with a PR agency, because not all of these people that I invite are on their uh, radar as a brand. So I think it's cool because then that grows for them in terms of awareness and they get their eyes. I mean, they get eyes on their products from all kinds of people who do all kinds of things that aren't your typical, you know, same 20 girls that every PR company sees. And you get scammers. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. I don't know if I could legally, I mean, I guess I can legally talk about it. She's not going to listen, but yeah, I had a scammer come once and she snuck the Anadelvia gifting suite. I still shocked. This was over a year ago. I was doing my holiday suite at the peninsula um, in Beverly Hills. I had this amazing little two floor bungalow room and I guess someone had been closely watching and was able to gather what hotel I was having it at. That is so creepy, by the way. It's honestly really creepy. And not that I have a big audience at all. I'm actually private now on Instagram. But I, for the most part, I never tag where I am until after I leave because you don't know what kind of people are out in the world Mm -hmm. looking at your stuff. It's Mm -hmm. scary. So after that gifting suite, I definitely considered hiring a security guard. (laughs) Because you really don't know. And it was so scary. So, And it was when, at the time where people were still wearing masks up to your comfort level. Like now, mm-hmm. obviously, we mostly don't mask. I don't mask. But um, we. she was one of the few people to wear a mask during the holiday appointments. And I didn't have her name on our schedule. She just came in authoritatively and was like, hi, I have an appointment. And we did the whole 25-minute walkthrough with her. Mm -hmm. She picked out clothes. She did all the things, picked out a shower head, picked out everything. And then afterwards, I had a gut feeling that she was not on the list. Oh, my God. Then I found her Instagram and I saw that she sells product on Instagram. She just no. goes to these PR events and sells product on her stories, like Avon moisturizer, $30. Incredible. So I posted about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and a few of my editor friends came forward and said that she would impersonate them at events. 
which is crazy. Yes. And a friend of mine had a whole highlight on her Instagram about this girl like impersonating her out of that. Oh my God. Oh my God. No. Did they look like? (laughs) No, not at all. (laughs) No, it was crazy. I just like the audacity. So my, I still have a question of like, how does she get these invites because if I you're did listening to this her. we need to know <laughs> if you're listening to this um yeah I will not disclose who you are but I still have questions um yeah so I did post that I tagged her and I was like return the gift bag you mm-hmm. I feel so violated but so you you so, saw her selling the product not from, from my gift. event but from okay, other okay. events okay like tart whatever so and they were all events that had just gone on in the past week it was holiday season a lot that of that is happening, so. a wild scam so I posted about it and then I got some email from her lawyer it was like a and d like please mm-hmm. stop posting or we'll sue you I don't think it was even her real lawyer but I deleted it no. and she dropped the gift bag off at the hotel with like half the products gone but it wasn't about the products. It was no. about how violating it was and how yeah. scary it was. I mean, it's how the wrong integrity it because it's you also make these promises to brands that also true, right? Yeah, you're getting product for to people for a reason, and then you have this grifter who's like selling them on her Instagram stories I know. and crashing like a very private event. Yeah. I, for some reason, every suite, I make like a couple more extra bags, but I always Mm. run out of bags before appointment. It's just a mess. So I, she kind of like took a bag that was actually meant for another person. So that was an issue too. Um, But yeah, so I thought she would have stopped, but she turned out, she kept going to events (gasps) that month. And (laughs) I think she like the fact has a new <laughs> I'm shocked I haven't seen her out and about, but perhaps we have, and she just has a new identity or this a new is look incredible. Or... <laughs> yeah. What? So okay, wait. Speaking of the events, what happens when somebody comes and they don't deliver, and you take them off the list? Um. I have a lot of grace because as you probably get a lot of packages, like sometimes I get things that I don't want, blah, blah, blah. So I know I go into it knowing that not everything is for everyone, but Mm -hmm. I do curate at least 25 different products. So I hope that at least one product uh, resonates with you and you share what you like. I do encourage just authentically, like if you really, really love it, tell someone you you don't have to say like go buy it here's my code but mm-hmm. share it um i seldom have people that don't post and if i do it's because my friend invited them and they had no idea what it was or mm-hmm. they're used to other pr suites but i mean i feel like everyone i invite does know that i'm i'm not a pr girl number 1 mm-hmm. i do this because of my passion for helping smaller brands um, and I think knowing those two things, I think it does make people want to post at least what they like. Yeah. And then I have like my superstars that post everything and post for months and post every day. So I, I think it's a balance. Yeah. And have you had any instances where people have been like, I wasn't invited back? <laughs> Sometimes, yes. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I am honest and I say, well, I have to prioritize people that want product and want to share it. No hard feelings. I, for the most part, XOXO, um, Mm -hmm. I work with a lot of my friends and every, every brand that Mm -hmm. we have, or I have, or I co-found or co-own. And I'm really good at working with friends, but of course, once in a while, 
something happens and it's like, I'm really bad at remembering this, but it's like, it's not personal. It's like a business thing, but it, it can get tough sometimes. But it's small instances. It, it, it's not all the time or else I wouldn't work with my friends as often as I do. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of like the the pain point, but also the, the beauty of, you know, getting to yeah. work with your people. It's like sometimes you have yeah. to have those uncomfortable conversations. Speaking of, I love how open you are with uncomfortable conversations online. Really? Yeah, you. <laughs> because you're like, I think one of the first people I've ever seen address grief, address losing a parent, address, you know, insecurities, whether they be about physically or um, being unsatisfied at a job or emotional burnout. And I think you create this really beautiful space in which people can feel like it's okay to be vulnerable. Do you, like, how do you, what's that like for you? Thank you for saying that. I have just always been this way. Prior to Instagram, it was Tumblr. Prior to Tumblr, it was Live Journal. I've prior to that, it was having a MySpace. Oh my God, live channel. Just... Did you have an account? <laughs> I did, and I would like write diary posts, and I don't care. You if you read did? That. Yeah, I, yeah, it was like crazy how much time we spent on on those things in high school and stuff and uh-huh. college, but. I have been like grappling with this a lot recently because of a lot of factors I haven't wanted to share so much online in the past year. And I do think that like a lot of my following, which again is not big, but a lot of people like I'm shocked to know that thousands of people follow me because I talk about my mom who has died. And Mm -hmm. people have like been with me on that journey for almost 10 years now, which is crazy to me. Mm -hmm. And I know that I've helped a lot of people and people still come to me with questions like my brother's girlfriend is really sick, or I just lost this person tragically, or how do I help my roommate? And Mm -hmm. I always make time for those conversations and what have helped me, even though grief is like so particular to the person, like what has helped me which is non-traditional ways of coping probably isn't amazing for everyone. Like I don't go to therapy. I talk to mediums. I do a lot of healing otherwise, um, Mm -hmm. otherwise, but I, I don't know. I feel like I have been vulnerable online before it was a trend. And I think now that it's actually trendy to cry online and to be vulnerable, I feel (laughs) like I get looped in (laughs) or like grouped into everyone that's just like doing it because I think I saw like an ID piece of like crying and it was your face. I mean, yes, I did talk to Laura. Laura, love Laura, love Laura. And but like before, like Bella Hadid was crying online. I was just doing it as a lesson people myself. My mom died. I'm the OG crier. <laughs> 10 years, it, 20, 20, uh, 20 yeah. 10, yeah, 13. It's just a part of my process to mm-hmm. heal is to share. And I think yes. for me, that is really healthy. And it, in turn, in, in turn, in turn, it has helped other people. But I don't know, like my, my uh, motive has always been pure. Not to say that like people cry online for attention or whatever, but I just don't feel like Instagram or the internet is like a safe space anymore. Mm-hmm. It's not. Is that why and you went I private? don't even open TikTok? Yeah, it, it is. I 
really, I'm really happy in my life. I'm happy in my work life with my boyfriend, with my friends. I'm so happy and I want to protect my peace and everything that I've worked so hard for. And I don't have anything to prove to anyone. So if people want to follow me, they could request. (laughs) And (laughs) I am really not interested in having more eyes on my life. Um, but in turn, I also know that everything I have, all my brands, all my friends, all my business partners, it's because of Instagram and the life I had built through Hot Girls Eating Pizza is how I met my co-founder. It's, it's, I also know that it has given me so much, so I don't want to close myself off, but for right now, I do not wish to be perceived and I just want to live my life in peace. Um, Cause I'm a really happy person and I'm Wait, really you don't grateful miss for a lot. Tons of strangers. <laughs> DMing no. about your relationship saying siblings are dating. You're I, I don't. You don't miss that commentary. Yeah, it's been brought to my attention that people think me and my boyfriend look alike. Um, I I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that. But I think soulmates. I look feel alike. like that's a really common thing, isn't it? It is. I feel like I look at a lot of my friends that are happy and they look somewhat like their partners. <laughs> you and John, <laughs> for example. I almost think it's kind of like that thing where people tell you you look like your dog in a cute way. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's not offensive. Yeah. I, and and no. like, if you think about it, like it's a kind of weird thing to say, but I never get offended because I'm like, yeah, I do have very similar energy to soy. <laughs> totally. I, I mean it's really hard having to be online. And I I feel like a lot of us, I mean, I can't speak for my friends, but I do talk to them about this. And a lot of people are so over it, but we have to be online for work. And Mm -hmm. that fucking sucks. Even though our lives are great, our jobs are great, our companies are great, but it's a lot of like pressure for no reason. Yeah. Well, I think there's this expectation from people when you share some things that you're sharing everything or, um, sense of entitlement that they get everything so Mm -hmm. if you aren't they'll assume they have the big picture and just like generalize and make assumptions or um feel a type of way that you're like not giving them access to certain things and it's like every single thing that all of us share is actually privilege like Mm -hmm. access into our lives is a privilege and I think people forget that because it's so normalized now right like you have people who wake up and shit from like the moment they get up to the moment they go to bed in real time and so it's like we're so spoiled for for, like we never on what planet have we ever been able to access people in this way Mm -hmm. I agree it's really crazy but the joy is gone I think Instagram is just not a place for connection anymore it's not a place for happiness see I, I still love it you love it still? I mm-hmm. love that. I'm yeah. inspired by that. Yeah. I want to I mean, but, but I like also share a lot of like memes and jokes and not that much personal stuff. And I mean, yeah. I do share personal things, but I feel like I also kind of, I feel like I've developed a thick skin from being a, a female in the music industry for a long time, um, yeah. especially like especially like when I would be in certain circles of like working in hip hop, working, touring, working in rap where I was like the only, like, I feel like there's so little that has not been said that there's really nothing you could, you know? Um, 
And that makes sense. I don't know if that's just like I'm numb to it. And so I just don't really care. But I also like similar to you, I don't put everything online and I don't. Yeah. Um, I definitely don't share in real time. I think sharing in real time, it's funny. Teffy was our last guest. No, Teffy was on um, the week before last. And she posts in real time. I mean, I don't think she's posting from the place she's in, but she's someone who's like posting like essentially like as her day goes along. And I was like very surprised to hear that because she's such yeah. a public figure. You know, she's got only yeah. a million followers. It's like I was – but I think that's her charm too, you know. Totally. People feel like they're just spending the day with them. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. I mean, I guess I kind of do sometimes, but my life is boring. All I do is no. think about work. No. Well, my life is boring because I don't want to be scrutinized for what I enjoy. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, that's interesting. I know. I also wish I could post memes and post all the stuff that I genuinely like. But, like, having a business, I think about, mm-hmm. like, you know, everyone that affects, like, my co-founders, my employees, like, maybe stuff that I like laugh at isn't appropriate for I don't know I'm always in my head about like is this appropriate but then it's like who the fuck cares actually it's tough well I think we were chatting about this the other day where we were like remember back in the day where we'd post these like really thotty slutty selfies and we're like if we can't really do that anymore we're grown grown yeah also true yeah we're grown or whatever yeah are we grown will we ever grow (laughs) we're baby no in my mind you still work at depop i still work at starworks and (laughs) guys mata and i had the most unfulfilling (laughs) shit kicking boot licking office jobs at one point um started from the bottom now we're here nobody can say that we did not earn here is relative too like i would say moderate success but yeah um I love when yeah. people are like, her family must be rich. I'm like, you have literally no idea the absolute shit I had to do to get to where I am today. Or, or like when people comment, they're like, do you have a real job? Like, what do you do all day? How do you have money? I'm like, only working in this industry for like almost 15 years. I know. At absolutely yeah. shit kicking places. <sighs> I know it's crazy. We've like sold our souls a hundred times over. <laughs> like Julie and I used to do the most cringe spawn con when we were starting Starface and do mm-hmm. and like we would like take each other's spawn cons and like what oh, same. I would help you with yours and that life alone was like having to promote stuff I didn't love. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I will speak for me, but um, yeah, it's it's tough and like do I mean we didn't we took three years to get to even launch so I feel like I, mean, I sold you didn't like pay yourself half... a salary for a long long time. no yeah and we um and I won't see that no and I sold like my whole closet I sold everything I sold like all the nice bags I bought myself like at my first job like ever mm-hmm. I mean that sounds like um a little privileged but I sold everything to be able to live I remember you were like selling all your furniture from your Williams oh apartment. I did that when I moved yeah but mm-hmm. like Totally. I, you just have to do that stuff and you have to give up a lot to start companies. Um, but it's all worth it in the end. Was there a moment where you guys were doing everything? I mean, like three years is a long time. Where you we were, were doing everything till last year when we hired people. It was just yeah. the three of us until a year ago. 
which was crazy. And at what point were you like, okay, I can scale this now? I think we saw a lot of growth from year one into year two and our repurchase rate was really great. I mean, I'm such not a financial person to speak on this, but I think like we just knew that we had to hire. We also raised a little money last year at the end of last year to hire and to grow like our product pipeline and stuff. But um, yeah, hires were crucial. We were getting so burnt out. We were running Instagram. We were doing everything. Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah, but you just have to do that in the beginning. I mean, and even now, like we touch other parts of our job that, you know, we still need to hire is what I'm saying. We're actually about so, to hire. So if you want a job, head to the website. To yeah. um, this is a great time to share that do. What a, a yeah. truly an amazing company to work for is hiring. Thank you. Yeah. So um, I'll actually text you when the part when the opportunities go live so you can help us we'll share spread it. the word. But mm-hmm. we will be hiring to hire soon, which is exciting. What's it like working with your partner? Because Angel Therapy, you you <laughs> co-own with your boyfriend. Are those I of- co-own with my boyfriend, yes. Um, and we have two other partners now um, also as well. Um Lincoln's definitely going to listen to this. So I love you, Lincoln. Of course he is. He's your number one fan. (laughs) He he is my number one fan. Um, It's it's definitely challenging at times. And we don't fight a lot. I say like the things we mostly fight about are about angel therapy. Because I'll be off for the day. It'll be 10 p.m. I'll be in bed. I'm playing Candy Crush. And I'll get this. (laughs) I love how we do it. I'll be (laughs) good. he'll have this epiphany about angel therapy and I'll be like not right now and then Mm -hmm. like we'll snap at each other because like I'm not in a space to talk about it but he wants to talk about it and then there'll be other times where I need him to do a thing Mm -hmm. and he's unavailable for two days and I really need him to do this thing and I get upset so it's definitely harder um but it is interesting and it's worth it and we're learning a lot and I think it's helping our relationship and helping our partnership and I honestly feel really good about angel therapy I think it has a lot of opportunity and we want to take it to other states and help a lot of people and do a lot of good because it's all about like our connection to cannabis and I think cannabis can help a lot of people and I'm excited to open it up and to bring it more places. Yeah, I also <laughs> I also love that it's an homage to one of your favorite favorite um I, I mean what is it like an an angel or a cherub? Yeah, I I don't know. I'm like obsessed with angels and cherubs. I have been for a long time. Um I when I was cleaning out, we sold my dad sold our childhood home a couple of years ago and I was cleaning out my mom's stuff and I found so many angel things in my room and her room. And I just feel like it's always been an underlying theme for me that I didn't lean into until like five years ago, but I'm obsessed with angels. They touch every brand that I do. That will probably continue <laughs> <laughs> as I do more things. So um, did she not angel talk hotel. about like, did she ever talk about angels or did she talk about like, mediums or like all the kind of interest that you have in that other world yeah she was very very spiritual and um my mom lost her dad and my um the funeral was actually on her birthday when she was 28 or 29 I was one years old or almost one 
And she hated her birthday every year growing up. And I just would remember her mourning. And she would get signs from her dad. And I think I am so open to it because of the way that she dealt with it. And then um, she was always like a little kooky with like the stuff she believed in. Like um, I have a sister who has been ill with like a ton of things off and on her whole life. And my mom would like go to healers and get these like objects that would have water coming out of them. And all of these crazy things would happen that I feel like I've always been open to it, even though I didn't lean into it until my 20s. Um, for whatever reason, I think like you just kind of have to like fall into that stuff on your own. Um, she was into crystals, like all of that. So uh, I think I actually started to get really into it when she was dying. I remember I went to SF while she, when I went to SF, she um, got really, really sick and was intubated. So I went to Healer in SF and I bought these like crazy crystals and I made a grid under her hospital bed with like black tourmaline for this and blah, blah, blah. And it was like a certain pattern. And I still have a lot of those, but um, yeah, I think that was kind of the, the start of my spiritual journey that has like led me into everything that I do now. God. <laughs> I, know. I feel like we just do every time. Um, every, I'm actually, I know, I'll probably cry more now that it has already started, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That I can't imagine going through that. And I think it's something so special you guys get to have that still bonds you mm -hmm. in like another lifetime, right? It's like, yeah. It transcends yeah. the living and the dead. Yeah, it's it's so complicated and it's so crazy because I go like back and forth. It's literally a blessing and a curse, but it is what it is. And I feel like I've made the most out of it. I think my work ethic is because of my grief. Um, and every day I think about it and like some days I'll have a really good attitude about it. Like, wow, I'm so lucky that this happened because it was always meant to happen. And I've turned it into all of this amazing stuff and I can talk to her. Then other days I will get angry when I hear a, f um, a person lost their mom and they're like 80 years old. I'm like, must be nice to have another 60 years with your mom. I was 23 years mm -hmm. old. Like I can also feel really angry sometimes too. And I haven't been able to express that until like this past year, because I always thought I didn't have anger around my grief. But now I'm like, no, fuck this. Like, I'm angry. Um, but then I'll wake up and I'll be OK. So every day is totally different. Every moment is totally different. But I know it's not uncommon to lose a parent, but it definitely like shaped who I am. And it was a personality trait for the first five years, at least. It was what I talked about all day, every day. Um, but again, like that led me here. Do you so. feel like people, it's interesting you use the word personality trait, like has yeah. that been, um, have people like commented on that? Um, not to my face. Yeah. <laughs> and I also don't like, think I would. That's crazy. <laughs> like, I think that if my mom died, that would shake my entire world and I would, it wouldn't even be, a, it's not like a personality trait that would be like the thing that forever shaped who I was like yeah I mean I think I 
would lead with it. There were times where I would be like, I'm Marta and my mom just died. Like literally, like there were times where it came out in the first two minutes of like meeting me, not even on a pizza date, but just otherwise in life. So I think it was like a defining characteristic of my 20s. And my 20s were exceptionally hard because of this. And I think I only started to like live my life and have a separation when I was more mature and I started to process it because I also talk about this a lot on Instagram, but um, I was forced to go back to work the day after my mom's funeral. Oh God. And it was awful and it influenced every job I had after that. I probably had, I had two other uh, full-time jobs before I started working for myself and I would just like take a sad day. I'd be like, I'm sad today. I'm not going to go to work because I was robbed of a bereavement period. (laughs) And I am like, I definitely think like I want to help people with grief and like that kind of stuff in my life uh, journey, like more than I do now in a formal way, because now I do it a little casually. But I really believe in taking all the time that you need when you lose a person. It's stupid that we're expected to just snap back into work. And I, you would probably understand this as a new mom, but I was forced to go back to work because my manager was having a baby and she was going on a a maternity leave. And I was 23 years old and I, you know, I was like independent. I had no choice. I had to go back to work and that fucking sucked. And now that I have employees, I would never, ever, ever expect that from anyone or it's not even a thought. I mean, Um, inhumane. It's inhumane. So that really affected me with work. But then it also empowered me. Like I built everything because I was like grieving. And I had a nail decal line that I named after her. I had hot girls eating pizza. I was doing parties for brands. I was just throwing myself into work to process. But it felt good because it was mine. I did not want to work for someone else. I was just about to say how I felt. That was like your fear of, fuck you. I'm never working for someone else again. I'm not letting myself be in this position. No. And then even when I went to Depop, I did have an employer and a manager that understood. And like now, like I have co-founders that I take a day off when I need it, when I'm sad or when it's her birthday or when it's her anniversary date. Everyone understands, of course. But that's a luxury that a lot of people don't have. And I know a lot of people have to go back to work the day after they lose a person, too. And it's just it it sucks. And I want to change that one day. I think I also think that sharing is something that we all um, can benefit from because I think this is expectation for women that we, like you see with, like the way I would relate to it, it's like with miscarriages, it's like, okay, but like don't announce before three months and like just in case if something happens, you know, you just like go go on with your life. It's like, I don't want to go on with my life actually. I don't want to not ex- acknowledge this giant, gigantic experience, whatever type of loss it is that's happening to me. Like, why would yeah. I not? Like, why would I, like, like, why would you not want to, like, take time out of your life to be like, I just lost my mom. Like, nothing else really matters here in mm-hmm. the grand scheme. Like, you know? Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I was so strong then. <laughs> Now I'm like not as strong, but it's hard. Yeah. I mean, I beg to differ because I think there, 
it takes strength to share your story and to talk about things, right? And you've obviously progressed so far to the place where you're comfortable doing that, which empowers, I mean, you know, there's discomfort in that, but I know you know and you see firsthand like the amount of people who reach out to you or come to you or find comfort in your shared experience that like gets them through. Yeah, it does, which is crazy. Death sucks. Death sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Is that like, do you feel like when you have people in your life, like a partner or parent or friend, like, is that something you ever have to explain? When you're like, this is just intrinsically who I am, like this grief or this loss or this experience, like. Yeah, I definitely think not so much with friends for the most part. And also like friends have their, um, like, I wouldn't go to every friend about everything, if you you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. But with Lincoln, I think there was definitely a learning curve to my grief and how I deal with it. and I think sometimes he doesn't know what to say um even still because like I don't know what to say to people sometimes because everyone is so different um but he is really connected to my mom and I think that helps a lot Um, and I know she approves of him and like loves him but it's definitely like it is hard sometimes. Like I had a really hard time on Christmas um, just because my mom loved Christmas and the holidays are always really hard for me. And I was just like hysterical on Christmas, screaming and crying. And like, he didn't know what to do or say, but sometimes there isn't anything to do or say. You have to just let that person cry. Yeah. Yeah. So um, he does a great job though. He's an angel, but I wish it didn't affect me so much, but it does. It it just is who I am. And then I have a hard time with like, he's like really, really lucky to have his parents. Mm. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm really lucky to have my dad, even though I'm like mad at him right now. Fine. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's a topic for another podcast. I mean, well, we daddy issues at thirty-two. We've talked, but and also we've talked about this before, where it's like you, when you have a partner and they have an extremely functional family, and you witness it as an outsider, and you're like, oh, like that's not something I get the privilege of. Yeah, I know. I'm always like, call your mom because you have one. Like, why do you like? <laughs> That stuff can be like a little triggering with friends or whatever. I've definitely had like a few, a, a, a few people over the years that have had like overbearing parents and I just can't take it because I just like want a mom so bad. But then my friend that I live with, her mom, like I feel like I cry when I hug her because like I feel like she feels like another mom to me. So it comes in all different forms. But um, yeah. Yeah, clearly I am still defined by my grief. <laughs> I think we all are. Uh, I think everybody yeah, is. Totally. Everybody's defined yeah. by, you know, Good our like, collective experiences. Yeah. And I think the, the really beautiful thing that and my therapist says this to me a lot when I, because of course like, I go, I'll go into a session and complain and be like, I see John and his parents and his family and like, I didn't get this. And I did that. I didn't get that growing up and I don't have this. And I don't have a stable father figure. And 
And she's like, okay, but you're having a kid and now you get to create all of that. You get to build that ecosystem and you actually get to change the cycle and you get to be a part of like creating that, that, whatever that is that you're lacking and it's an opportunity for you. And so sometimes I think the reframing of that helps because it's like, yeah, like we can't go back and and change, you know, Mm -hmm. any of that, but like it's empowered every business you've launched. It's shaped you as a person. It's allowed you to be a healer in so many ways for yourself and other people. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I agree. Yeah. But it fucking sucks too. Yeah. Definitely <laughs> sucks. We need to do another pilgrimage. We used to do one on um on October 14th. Yeah, we should whenever mm-hmm. you're up for it. Yeah. We should go somewhere before you pop. <laughs> you know. Locally, in like five weeks. Right? yeah we don't have a lot of time we do but we will do it we'll do it again on on in October yes let's do it yeah I love you so much I love you too I'm I'm going to um you guys I'm sorry we've been so much unhinged um content today actually I'm not sorry I think this is a really beautiful episode but I really appreciate your vulnerability and coming on and sharing especially like now at a time when you've decided to disconnect and like preserve even further so I I really like honor um I feel really honored that you would you would share this with us because it's not easy and I think people forget sometimes that we're all human and we all like have our whatever it is like internal battles grief struggle insecurities that we're going through and like it's a nice reminder that, you know, like vulnerability, like is important and, and like all these things, they affect us all. Yeah. And it's a good exercise in being mindful of, of everyone has a lot of shit going on that you don't know about. Yeah. If you're still listening, stop being mean online because <laughs> no one likes when people are mean online for no reason. Exactly. This is who you're hurting. This is who you're. Oh my god, I was dying because I was going through Instagram the other day, and there was this like, cute like baby photo of you, photo of you, and like, and you were like, mm. and you're like, this is who you're hurting when you circle back on an email. I was like, <gasps> literally on January third. Jesus, relax, people. <laughs> Seriously, guys, this oh. is who you're hurting when you don't leave us a loving review about how much you loved this week's episode in the podcast so please thank you so much for your time um an honor to have you on the show today honestly thank you for having me I love you so much I love I'm you so proud of you um I love all of you for listening and hanging out with us for the full hour um we will be back as always next week with more deranged conversations if you like us love us follow us leave us a review um you can request to follow Marta you can support one of her products um I'll, all the links will be in the episode description until next time ciao for now